What do bankers really care about? How do they make decisions? And how is the line of credit supposed to be used? We'll talk about all that on this episode. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. Trying to understand what a banker is looking for and how they make decisions can be frustrating. Um, I have a really good friend of mine who's a banker, and... uh, uh, he's helped me learn a lot about how this works. But before that, um, you know, you would ask a banker what they want, and their answer is generally, it depends. Or, well, we'll have to see. Uh, they're very noncommittal, and I understand that. Um, but it can be really frustrating trying to figure out what specifically they want um, and how specifically they make decisions. So it's part science and part art, for sure, um, approving loans and things like that. Um, and it feels like that they claim to be in the business of lending money, um, but they really only want to lend money to people who don't really need it. Honestly, um, that can be very frustrating. And that's all about, that's all because they're in the business of avoiding risks. Um, obviously it would be catastrophic for banks to loan money to people who just frankly didn't pay it back. Um, that would devastate their business model. So I understand, um, the scrutiny and I understand, um, they're being very selective and, and uh, you know, not loaning money to people who just aren't going to pay it back. But it is, it is important for us as business owners to know specifically what they want and how they go about making decisions so we can set ourselves up for success. We can um, push things in the right direction so we have a higher chance of getting approval uh, if and when we ever uh, need a loan or if we want a line of credit, which is something that um, for most of us uh, is a very, very helpful tool. Um, and I'll just tell you, uh, one of the things, uh, one of the ways I found out how non-committal, uh, bankers are is again, my friend, uh, Paul, very good friend of mine. Um, when we were, you know, a million years ago, when I was getting ready to, to sign for our first line of credit, I looked at him in my office and I said, a year from now, what do you want the usage of this line of credit to look like? And it was a long, awkward pause and silence and he just looked at me and he didn't really have an answer. So it took some doing to um, to get to the point where we knew, like, what is this supposed to look like? So that's my whole point with this episode is to walk you through how they make decisions and what these things are supposed to look like. Now that I know, I think it's really helpful information and I'd like to pass it on to you. So um, anyhow, it can be really difficult to figure out what makes a banker happy uh, if, in fact, bankers do have emotions. So Let's just start off by um, talking about how to choose the right bank. So smaller banks are generally going to be better at business uh, banking for fa- for small businesses. When I say small businesses, I'm you know under ten million dollars a year in revenue for sure. Um, smaller banks um, often have bankers who have decision making ability on lending up to a certain dollar amount. 
Uh, and then when a deal exceeds that dollar amount that they can approve, the banker can approve, they will take that loan or that deal to a loan committee or part of a board of directors group or the entire board of directors group for the bank, which would include, um, you know, of course, the bank president and, you know, big decision makers in there, plus just other folks on the on the board of directors. Um, so smaller banks have a process that's like that. Larger banks generally do not give uh, bankers a lot of decision-making on lending, but they might be part of a team that has lending authority. Same thing. Um, they will take uh, loans up the food chain um, when a loan exceeds their decision-making cap. So on a smaller bank, your particular personal business banker may have much more influence on getting your loan approved than in a big bank. A big bank, it's maybe more of a, a sales role for that banker than a decision maker role. But that's something you'll have to sort out as you begin talking to these banks and kind of asking, how does their process work? This is a very important piece for you to know uh, how the process works. And as we get into this next little bit, you'll, you'll see why this is critical. So that's kind of, you know, things you want to keep in mind when you're choosing a bank. Now, when you're choosing the banker, you know, once you've decided maybe, you, you, hey, I want to work with a smaller bank, which, again, I would recommend for small businesses, or maybe you like working with a big bank for whatever reason, that's fine. Once you've decided that, now you got to figure out which banker you want. And I would really recommend you interview these people and talk to more than one. Um, there's a few reasons for that. One is you got to get a good handle for how these, if they, if they mesh with you, if this banker agrees with how you operate and agrees with your values and agrees with your philosophy on things. One of the things that is critical to understand when it comes to banking is your banker is your advocate inside the organization. If they don't um, believe in you, they don't trust you, they don't like you, they don't like the way you make decisions, they're just not going to represent you well. And a lot of the... Um, um, the likelihood of you getting approved for a loan or something like that comes down to how how much they believe in you. So it's critical that you have you find somebody that you really agree with on on these things. The other thing is you want to remember um, who the customer is when you're interviewing these folks. Uh, bankers can oftentimes come across like they're doing you a favor by loaning you money, and um, if that's the impression they give when you're interviewing them. You know, just keep in mind that's as good as it's ever going to be. From there on, it's only going to get worse. Relationships only going to get harder, right? So, um, you want to interview somebody and find someone that you will be able to trust um, their input when you're making planning decisions. And you want to call and get advice. Um, you want to be able to rely on them for guidance when they see things that that maybe you don't see, and they give you some input there when you even when you didn't ask for it. Uh, when you, you know they come up on annual reviews of lines of credit and things like that. Um, when they give you suggestions, you, you got to be able to know if you can trust this person or not. It's, it's important that you can take their advice and, and know that they know what they're talking about. Um, and you want to find somebody who will take your calls and make you a priority. Um, you know, one of the things that's frustrating about any industry is getting folks who just don't make you a priority and don't take your calls. So one of the things that I think we kind of fall into is this trap of believing that bankers, CPAs, lawyers, and things like that, um, because they have a more um, white collar or accredited type career or whatever that we kind of tend to believe that all of them are good. And I would argue the same percentage of crummy electricians and crummy roofing companies and things like that is the same percentage of bankers, lawyers, and CPAs who are not good at their job. Um, it doesn't mean that they don't know their craft very well. They could just not be good at customer service, or maybe they don't know their craft very well. 
Um, my point is, it we we kind of tend to fall in this belief that um, a banker, CPA, or a lawyer, they all just know their stuff, and I just think that we got to be careful about that. It's critical to interview them because these are people you're really going to have to trust, like you would trust a doctor. Um, it's surprising how many bankers can't read a P and L or can't read a balance sheet or understand the ebbs and flows or seasonality of certain businesses. Um, it's just, you, you got to find somebody who knows this stuff. Um, and again, you've got to just keep in mind your banker is your advocate when it take, when it comes time to take your loan through the approval process. Um, they will essentially be selling you and your deal to whoever makes the final decision. So, um, if they just don't trust you, they don't believe in you, they don't like the way you make decisions, that's just going to be a tough situation for you to get approvals. So you've got to find somebody who believes in you and, and shares your your values and your decision-making uh, um, criteria. Um, and you got to understand that the higher the loan dollar amount, the more scrutiny, the more approvals. So they may have to take it, you know, the banker says, yep, this looks good. And then they take it to a loan committee, the loan committee says, yep, this looks good. And then they got to take it to the board of directors. The board of directors, you know, gives a final, uh, final sign off on it. That could be the process. Every step of the way, your banker is going to advocate for you and, and be selling this deal. Um, and you got to remember when they, when they are doing this, they are putting their name on that deal. If it falls through or falls apart and you don't pay it back, that will come back on them 100%. So, um, uh, it's just, again, it's important to understand that that is the process they're putting their name on it, like they believe in this thing. And if it falls apart at the end and it doesn't get paid back, that's kind of a, a stain on their record, so to speak, right? Um, so now that we understand the process of the, the role the banker plays and how they're really your advocate inside the organization, um, let's talk about the criteria upon which they make decisions. Um, we're going to talk about the five C's, but primarily the three C's. Um, the first one is character, which it could also be credit character and credit are kind of interchangeable, uh, cash flow and collateral. Those are the top three character, cash flow, and collateral. And then those last two would be capital and conditions. Now, most of these are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, cash flow is about having consistent, adequate cash flow. The business is bringing enough money in and show, is showing enough consistent profit to pay for whatever loan, Right. Collateral is about offering something of value to secure the loan, which it would incentivize the, the borrower to pay, and then would put the bank in a situation to mitigate their losses if, if there was a default situation. So collateral is pretty self-explanatory. Capital, same thing, pretty self-explanatory. That is having enough money for the down payment or having equity in your assets, not being over leveraged, things like that. Um, and conditions would apply in certain industry, in certain situations, where maybe there's seasonality or other considerations which would require the bank to put controls in place as part of the deal, maybe that they wouldn't do for other you know, other uh, kinds of deals or other industries or whatever. Um, I'm not going to get into the weeds on that. Your banker will tell you if that applies to you. And you'll probably know if you're in an industry where that kind of thing would be um, important. I do want to spend a fair, bit of a fair bit of time talking about the character piece because this is where a lot of um, – business owners, especially new business owners, kind of get um, confused on some things. So um, when we talk about character, we're talking about your personal credit. Uh, that's a big factor of this. Despite what most people think, until you have a very large company, your personal credit is much more important than the business's credit score. Um, sometimes the business credit score is not even factored at all, especially in the first few years, or especially if you're doing less than, let's, let's say, 3 to $5 million in revenue. 
the business credit score is not really important at all. It it may not, they may not even pull the business credit score. Um, they're going to pull the people who are going to personally guarantee the loan, which is you as the business owner. And if you have any partners who own more than 20% of the business, they would probably have their credit pulled as well. And you guys as a group or individually will personally guarantee the loan, not the company. So when we talk about credit scores, if it's if your credit score personally is less than 650, you're going to have a very hard time getting loan approvals for a business. If it's between 651 and 700, you know, you have a moderate chance. 701 to 750 is much better chance. And if it's over 750 or 751 plus, um, you've got a, you've got a lot of ability to get what, whatever you need as far as a, a loan goes. Um, the other thing when we talk about character, it's not just credit. It's also your personal and professional history. So do you have a history of doing risky things in your personal life? Um, how long have you been in a position where you manage or own a business like the one that you own now and you're trying to borrow money on? If you've, if you're eight months into owning a business in your industry and you had zero experience managing a company of the, the size that your company is now prior, that's going to make it more difficult to get, um, approval. If you had 10 years experience managing a business in your industry, and then you went and started your own business, that gets, can give you a better chance of getting approval. So we talk about character, we're talking about um, personal and professional um, uh, history. Again, on the personal side, you know, if you have a pattern of, if you get seven divorces, that's going to matter. You know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it is. Your personal history and how you go about making decisions matters. If you have a pattern of risky behavior, they're going to be worried. They're going to be wary of that kind of thing. Um, Your references matter when we talk about character, how you carry yourself how you make decisions. Again, I talked about this earlier, but this is really important that you're, that you make decisions in a way that is attractive to the banker. Again, they're going to be your advocate. They're putting their name on this deal when they bring it to the, to the team for approval. If they don't trust how you make decisions, um, they're just going to be less likely to really enthusiastically push for this deal to get approved. Um, and then part of that is when I talk about how you make decisions, part of that is your tolerance or eagerness for debt or risk. If you're very comfortable having a lot of debt, that's going to be a challenge for some bankers. They're very conservative, but generally speaking, they're very wary of risk. Um, it's interesting. They like very conservative, slow growth. If you have a, so if you have a spike in revenue and profit for one year, they're going to be going, well, yeah, it's just one year though. We're gonna, how do you know that's going to happen again? And then if you have a drop in revenue or profit for for a year, they're gonna they're gonna act as if this is the way it's gonna be from here on, you know, forever and ever. <laughs> it's kind of interesting how the positive things that happen are mitigated and the negative things are accentuated. That's just kind of how it works in the world of banking. So my point is, well, that is, if you have a high tolerance of risk that and and appear to be wanting more debt than is reasonable, that's gonna be a challenge. And you got to find somebody that you're you know kind of simpatico and that kind of stuff. So. Those are the ways they make decisions. Uh, those are the criteria, uh, the five C's, which um, again is primarily the three, which would be character, cash flow, and collateral. And then we get into capital and conditions later on. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is something called the DSCR, which is short for an acronym for debt service coverage ratio. Um, basically, this is a formula to see how long you can pay or service when it says debt service coverage ratio. When, servicing means paying. Uh, This is a formula to to see how long you can service your current loans, aka debt, based upon your current and recent profitability. 
So the bank's going to look at your last uh, few years of profit in dollars to establish kind of their baseline understanding of what your annual profit number is. So um, that may, if you had a killer year a few years ago, that may help a little bit. But if you if you know last year was not so good and you had a great year three years ago, the, the three years ago is not going to matter probably as much as last year. Again, they're going to accentuate the negative and diminish the positive. That's just kind of how it works. Um, and if you had a... a um, terrible year a few years ago and you had a killer year last year, then they're going to kind of diminish last year and you're still going to be working with the lower number probably. Anyhow, they're going to come up with a, a number that is kind of the annualized um, profit number they will work with to to create this calculation. Um, they'll establish a baseline annual profit number. And then they will divide the annual cost of your debt, meaning the monthly payments you make times 12, into that profit number to establish a DSER. So for example, if uh, I had a company which had um, debt in loans and it was, you know, I paid $15,000 a month in loans on vehicles or equipment or whatever, that would equal $180,000 per year. That would be my debt, the cost of my debt, $180,000 a year. If my profit for my company, let's say we established a baseline profit over the last few years of $300,000, $300,000 divided by $180,000 equals one67 so that means I can afford to pay that debt 1.67 times based on my annual profit number. Um, so 1.67 is pretty good. Uh, if the DSCR is less than 1.2, you're going to have a hard time getting a loan anywhere. If it's less than 1.15, um, you may not, you know, they may not even talk to you about a loan. Um, and even SBA might be a challenge if it's below 1.15. So um, what they're trying to figure out is how many months or how many years can you pay your loan, loans that you have based upon your annual profit. So uh, if it's less than 1.0, then you couldn't even pay your own debt for a year. And that, that, that would be a terrible decision for them to make. So the 1.2, 1.25, they're they're building a cushion there for if something happens. Again, they're all about avoiding risk. So if something happens, do you have enough cushion in your profitability to be able to absorb that and still make your payments? So uh, if you're currently sitting right now today at a 1.25 DSCR, debt service credit coverage ratio, and you want to borrow more money, it's probably going to be a challenge. Um, if you're sitting at, you know, 8.0 and you're, you know, you don't ha- hardly have any loans and your your profit is, is good um, and you don't have a lot of debt, then you're going to have a much higher chance. So this debt service coverage ratio is kind of a it's a deal breaker. It just, it is it, it, either you, you're either you get past this point or you do not. This is, there's no uh, subjective judgments made here. It's a very objective number. You either are in or you're out. Um, so that's an important thing. And you can run these numbers yourself before you even apply for a loan. So you can, you know, avoid the, the hassle of uh, going through the application process and then getting your hopes up and getting denied. So again, 1.2 would be kind of a minimum 1.15 or less. You're just, you know, you're going to be in bad shape. Um, okay, let's uh, move along and talk about lines of credit. Lines of credit are great for capital. Uh, if you're doing large projects and you won't be getting paid for, let's say, 30 to 90 days, this happens for a lot of contractors where maybe you're a subcontractor, you're doing a large project, you got to spend a lot of money on labor and materials up front, and you're going to get paid you know, in 45 or 60 days. Lines of credit are great for that. Lines of credit are great for people, companies that have three payrolls twice a year, which is most companies. Uh, it's a fantastic way to, to have money to v- pull for that third payroll, then pay it back over the next couple months. 
Um, lines of credit are great for businesses that have increased expenses or lower revenue uh, because of seasonality. Uh, and they're great for purchasing tools and inventory that are not significant, but they're needed immediately. You know, you have a big job come up all of a sudden and you need $40,000 of materials. That's kind of outside the norm. The line of credit is great to, to use for that kind of thing. They're not great for um, being treated like a credit card, which is maxed out and it's going to be paid off, quote unquote, someday. That is not a good use of a line of credit. Uh, lines of credit are not good for large ticket items like equipment, building improvements, vehicle purchases, or capital improvements. And they're generally not good for any purchase which can't be paid back within three to six months. So um, again, going back to my conversation with my, my friend Paul, when I asked, what is, how do you want a line of credit usage to look like at the end of the year? And basically what, what he said was, you know, picture a line chart um, and you'd want it to look like a heart rate monitor, like, you know, zero balance, big blip where there, there's, um, you know, the, the amount withdrawn from the line of credit goes up considerably. And then maybe over the next month or two, it comes back down to zero again. Um, and then you don't use it again for a few months. Then there's a big blip again, right? Um, that is kind of the ideal way for a line of credit to, to use. It's these um, uh, big spikes where it goes from zero to $200,000 and then back to zero again the next month. That's fine. This is one of the rare places where a big dramatic spike when we're talking about financials is okay. Um, again, you want it to have look kind of like a line, a, a heart rate monitor. Where you have kind of a flat line and then a big spike and then a flat line again. We do not want it to look like a plateau where if you have a $500,000 line of credit, you owe $350,000 for 12 months or 15 months. That is not good. Or a situation where it increases every month, um, month over month, it just keeps growing and there's no reduction in the line of credit. That would not be good. So a zero balance and a spike and then back to zero is good. A significant drastic spike followed by a quick return to a zero balance is fine. Again, this is one of the rare times where abrupt big changes is okay. Uh, it, this line chart should not look like a plateau with a high balance for a long, long period of time. It should not rise month after month. Um, and many times a line of credit will have a requirement of at least 30 days at a zero balance per calendar year. So when you would get a line of credit, that's one of the things you want to ask your banker about is what is the requirement for zero balance per year? Because when you go to have it approved next year, you don't want to find out after the fact, which you will, if you don't specifically ask, they're not going to tell you this up front unless you specifically ask, um, how much time does this need to be at a zero balance before, uh, or per calendar year? Um, and if you're, if your line of credit is consistently high and then it appears that you're either, well, let me back up. If your line of credit is consistently high, it's going to appear to them that you're either using it improperly and buying things you should not be buying with a line of credit or, your business simply cannot afford to pay back the line of credit as intended. Both those are massive red flags. Um, we don't have to like it. It's just the way it is. Um, and I would recommend asking your banker what they want the use to look like. Maybe they have a different opinion than, than the banker I asked. Um, and be prepared for their answer to be, it depends. <laughs> it's just kind of the standard CPA, lawyer, banker answer is almost always, it depends unless you pry a little further. So, um, to wrap things up, I would say the first thing to do is focus on, you know, get, finding the right bank and the right banker. Interview them, figure out if you want to work with a small bank, a big bank. Um, you may have to talk to seven different people, but it's really important you find the banker you're going to mesh with and who trusts your decision making and will really be an advocate for you. If you just don't have the feeling they're going to be an advocate for you, then move on and find somebody else. Um, just keep in mind, banks are all about avoiding risk. Uh, it's frustrating when you're, when you're in a situation where you want or need to borrow some money and you're kind of at their mercy and you're trying to scramble to get all these things together. That's why it's really important to, to 
uh, know years in advance what they're looking for so you can set up your business to be in a situation where you won't have to worry as you go through the approval process. Um, but just keep in mind, they're all about avoiding risk. Um, the banker is going to be your advocate and they will take the blame when the loan is not paid. So their name is going on this. They will not put things out there that they don't believe in. Uh, the five C's are character slash credit, cash flow, collateral, capital, and conditions. But the primary three are character, cash flow, and collateral. Those are the, the big three that they worry about. Um, the DSCR, the debt service coverage ratio, if it's, if you're in a situation where you're, you know, below 1.2, then you're probably not going to be able to get approved for a loan. Uh, if you're, you know, 1.25 or higher, you're, you're in good shape. And then lines of credit, uh, again, those are designed to be used, um, uh, with big flashes of, of use and then back to zero balances. Again, they're not intended to be used with a high balance or a monthly increasing balance that just keeps going and going without any, uh, payment down to zero. So uh, I know that banking is not a super exciting topic, but it is an important one. And um, for most businesses, especially if you have a fleet of vehicles, understanding kind of how this decision-making process works is critical. And um, that's why we're spending a little bit of time on it today. And we've been around a little bit long on this uh, uh, podcast, but I either had to cram it into one or break it into two. And I thought that um, one a little longer one would be better than talking about banking for two different segments. So that's the reason we did it this way. Anyhow, um, if you haven't had a chance yet, please subscribe to this podcast. Um, I know our, our listenership is growing every week, and I really thank you for that, for sharing this with folks. It's, it's awesome to see the, the, the ratings and stuff go up. Um, but if you haven't had a chance yet, hit subscribe, share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. And if you have a chance and you haven't uh, um, done so yet, please give us a rating and review. Uh, again, that's how podcasts work subscriptions, sharing, rating reviews. Those are kind of the big things. So uh, if you've done that, thank you very much. If you haven't had a chance yet, I'd sure appreciate it if you would. And with that, I will see you or talk to you all next week. Hope you have a fantastic week. And that's it for this episode. 